Writing a story isn't about making your peaceful fantasies come true. The whole point of the story is the character arc. You didn't think joy could change a person, did you? Joy is what you feel when the conflict is over, but it's conflict that changes a person. You put your characters through hell. You put them through hell. That's the only way we change. Donald Miller. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots. I'm Lee Hull. And I'm Lee S's. Today we get to talk about the internal fight, that interior fight of Act 1. This is the lie your character believes about themselves, the internal battle that they are facing. That lie we have spent so much time on on the podcast because it is so important to how your character grows and changes. Like the quote says, you put your character through hell and that is how they change. That lie is a reflection of the hell that they're going to go through internally. So during Act 1, there are a few things that you need to include to establish that lie and how it's going to influence the character. This usually has nothing to do with the villain of the story. They will have non-villain expectations, anticipations of what's going to happen. The only time I can think of when it does directly tie to the villain is if the villain is somehow family. The abusive father that they're trying to escape has inserted these lies onto your hero. But most of the time, if we're meeting the family, it might help you expose the lie, but it doesn't necessarily have to do with the villain. These are things like in the Mario movie that came out recently. The family going, you're a failure and you're bringing your brother down with you. This is something that he carries throughout the entire story. This is also the time to introduce the dreams of the main character, not their sleeping dreams, their hopes, their aspirations, what they want out of life. Are they actually content with where they are? Or is that the lie that they're perpetuating that, yes, I am happy here even though my life is boring and I do the same thing day after day? I feel like these hopes and dreams that your hero has is a large part of what makes them the hero. In Beauty and the Beast, the father is pursuing his dreams. He's inventing. He's having a good time. Belle wants adventure in the Great Wide somewhere. This dream that the character has is a lot of what makes the difference between your hero and the other characters out there. They want more. Another thing that you need to do for the interior fight is continue to set the mood. You did a little bit of that in the exterior for the conflicts that they're going to face. But you also need to do that for the interior fight. What sort of ratings and triggers and things are the readers going to encounter as they go through your books? This is part of that internal conflict that can be established. Whether you show it or not, at least the idea needs to be introduced. The characters need to talk about it. That's mostly just a politeness from you, the author, to your reader. Because you don't want to shock them with it in an uncomfortable way. Another part of setting the mood is that I want song. This is very obvious in the Disney Renaissance movies and a lot of earlier-ish Broadway, previous to the turn of the century Broadway. You have these songs where the character is alone on the stage going, this is what I want out of life. 
Obviously, your character doesn't have to actually sing it in your book, but that moment should still exist in your story. Belle saying, I want adventure in the Great Wide somewhere. Ariel saying, I want to be part of your world. Hercules saying, I can go the distance. I can find my way. All of these moments are declaring to what the character sees as an empty room what they want. It's a very clear moment that helps your readers align with your character to get what they want out of life. They won't necessarily get that through the bad guy, but they will probably get it because of their conquering of the bad guy at the end. All of this lends itself to the idea that Act 1 is mostly set up. It is mostly establishing how the world works, how the character works, how the character thinks, and preparing them for the rest of it. So in Act 1, set up how the main character does something wrong that they can then take and make right in Act 3. Your main character is a popular high school cheerleader who bullies the nerd. We need to see that moment of her bullying the nerd. The nerd trips and falls and she makes fun of him because his books are everywhere. That way, in Act 3, when the nerd trips and falls, she can help him pick up the books. We are seeing character growth. Act 1 is when your hero fails at these little moments so that you can repeat them later with different outcomes in Act 3. This is also when you casually mention whatever weird, unique skill that the character has that will inexplicably play a vital role in how they conquer the villain at the end. Spider-Man is crazy good at science, which is how he's able to make some chemical compound for web shooters that nobody has ever thought of before. Don't ignore everything that we talked about in last episode when you are considering how their internal fight is starting to unfold, because they are going to play with each other. Your inciting action, that first encounter with the bad guy or the bad guy's forces, is going to be a great opportunity for you to really nail in that lie that they believe about themselves. That external is the encounter with the bad guy. The internal is the call to action afterward. Gandalf coming to Frodo and going, you're the one who has to do the thing. That is part of the inciting action because he's encountering the ring for the first time. But that call to action is a choice that the character is making or more often than not getting dragged into. And that is an emotional thing by the character. That's an internal conflict as well as an external one. And it will usually fight against the thoughts that they have about themselves. They will usually think, well, I can't do that. I am just a hobbit. I'm not my uncle who went and took on a dragon. I am Frodo. I can't do this. But then they have to face that idea and eventually overcome it. But you have to establish that they are really insecure about the choice that they're making. If they're confident, the inciting action is when you cut them down to size. Because that's when they start their journey to becoming a hero again. The hero might just be accepting a small part. I'll just take the ring to Rivendell and let the elves deal with it. This is a small thing that then becomes a big thing when they accept the burden. But they might only accept to participate, not necessarily to be the hero, because of the lie and because they don't necessarily have the confidence to succeed. 
We need to see that in order to understand how the character is growing. However you choose to show that, it could be literally one character going, I can't do this, Gandalf. Or it can be something as subtle as choosing not to pull the trigger when they should. So we have a checklist for you to help you know what you need to have completed, introduced in your story by the end of Act 1. First, the lie the main character believes about themselves should be apparent. I am dragging my brother down with the dreams that I am pursuing. That is the lie that Mario believes. That lie was literally told to him by his family. So that lie is made very apparent. And on the flip side of that, same coin, different side, the goals of your primary character should be made apparent. So you need to have these dreams established, their hopes, their aspirations, what their happily ever after will look like or would look like if they get their way, if they are able to defeat the villain and make the world a better place. What do they want that to look like? The third thing on our little checklist is to make sure that your secret ingredient character is introduced. We talked about them last month. If you don't remember who that is, check out that episode. But that secret ingredient that tips the scales should be introduced even if the reader doesn't recognize who they're going to be. Because again, they are a secret ingredient. It's not so secret if they're known to be the secret ingredient in the first act. Along with that character, the next thing on our checklist is to make sure you also introduce the mentor and any other supporting staff. Your side characters, the society, or whatever you have established, the support system for your main character. If you introduce these too late, we're simply not going to value them as the role that they're supposed to play in the story. Or we'll look at them like deus ex machinas, which is never good. If you think about Boromir and Faramir, Boromir gets half of a movie. Faramir gets two whole movies. Which one do readers know and understand and care about more? Boromir. The only reason why people care is because he popped up in the first act. If Faramir had popped up in the first act instead, then we would care a lot more about Faramir. Story of Faramir's life. <laughs> Another thing on this checklist is the one impossible thing should be made apparent by the end of act one. We don't want to find out three quarters of the way through the story that, oh, by the way, aliens exist. That's too long to wait because at that point it's convenient. It's not an interesting facet of your character's world. I look at Project Hail Mary for this one. The only reason why it was okay to introduce Rocky so late in the story is that we understood early on that the threat to Earth was actually an alien life form. The whole purpose of Act 1 is to set up the rest of your story and to instantly make your hero miserable. Give them what they think is the worst day of their life in that inciting incident. And then make it worse. Next episode, we're going to talk about how to start slogging through that Act 2, especially that exterior. But the most fun you can have with your story is often the first act. So when you are having fun, you have to write selfishly. If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing. 